Welcome back to Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast. I'm Danny, And I'm Clara. And today we will be discussing the 10th final episode of Season 1, titled Never Have I Ever Said I Was Sorry, written by Lane Fisher and directed by Tristram Shapiro. Before we get into the episode, we'll just let Dr. Ryan and Nalini tell us a little bit about what's going on. I know that I'm not as good as Mohan, but I am trying. You must miss him a lot. How are you handling your grief? Oh, you know what? I am not falling for this one. I'm here to talk about my daughter who wishes I were dead. I don't think that's true. That is true. She said, quote, I wish you were the one who had died. And that she didn't think I liked her. Why do you think Davy feels that way? Because I'm tough on her. I am. I know that. But it's only because I am scared. All the time. When she couldn't walk, I, um... You don't always have to be so strong. I mean, it might help her to know that you're also struggling. Come on. What good would that do, huh? Have you considered that falling apart might actually be the thing that brings your family back together? <sighs> Tomorrow's Mohan's birthday. He'd be so sad if he knew we weren't speaking. ceramics are quite comforting for white people too <laughs> so clara what did you think of this episode i loved it i think this is such a great finale like it it wraps up just enough leaves enough open i personally the one thing that i don't love is i feel like they hammer the love triangle thing a little hard at the end and um, i'm more interested in some of the other stuff even though i you know have my ships of course too um but like John McEnroe on the beach was just like so perfect. That was the real John McEnroe stepping in was just like such a wonderful moment <laughs> and really helped like put a bow on things for this season. What about you? I adore this episode. I mean, like, obviously I would. The big kiss happens. <laughs> Honestly, though, it's probably my second favorite episode of the season. There's just so much growth shown between so many of the characters. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely a sucker for that. Um, but there's a lot to cover, so let's just get into it. All right, let's do it. So I really love the entire scene between uh, Nalini and Dr. Ryan. She seems to be able to get Nalini to open up. And I'm having a feeling that she hasn't had an actual conversation with another adult about Mohan, except potentially no. maybe some family members. Um, her suggestion to Nalini that she doesn't always have to appear strong in front of Davy and that she, sh she can and should break in front of her daughter. So many parents do that appear strong. And sometimes kids just want to know that their parents feel the pain that they feel. Um, but seeing Nalini cry and be so vulnerable with someone else is a really nice departure Dr. Yeah. Ryan also nicely and successfully calls her out in, in this scene. And I would love to see Nalini actually get therapy. I think she really needs it. Yes. <laughs> I think she needs it for more than just Mohan's death, oh, frankly. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
So you always have a lot of thoughts about Dr. Ryan and her interactions with Davy. What did you think about this scene? Well, it's nice to see Dr. Ryan interact with somebody who actually takes her advice, like even the tiniest bit. Um, no, I really, I think it's a great scene. I think everything you said is spot on. And I mean, we've been talking about this on and off all season that like some of the problem that Nalini and Davy have is that they're so similar, right? Like they both, neither of them really wants to face their pain and I think they try to control other parts of their lives to avoid doing that. And they sort of lean into things that are um, maybe not as healthy. I think what you said about like Nalini not really talking to other adults, except maybe in her family, is spot on. And to be honest, like from what we've seen of her family members, except for um, Kamala, it, <laughs> I can't imagine that any conversations she had with family about Mohan's death were very helpful or emotionally satisfying. Um, but yeah, I like seeing, I like seeing her maybe acknowledge that being vulnerable wouldn't be so bad because I think like it messes kids up a lot to feel like crying or being vulnerable is a problem. And yet I think parents do that for the reasons you said, they think they're protecting them. Yeah. And I just feel like a lot of the times parents can be very hypocritical in the way that they deal with emotions mm -hmm. like with my mom she always tries to get me to like open up to her and like talk to her and be like serious with her but like <laughs> if you try to flip it and like talk to her about anything serious going on with her she just won't talk she just well, like doesn't as you and i both earth signs know it's way easier to deal with someone else's problems than your own it is <laughs> but still like it's very i see that a lot with parents they don't open up to their kids yeah, in the yeah. same ways. Yeah. And that's what's unfortunate, I guess, is, like, when you get older. That's that's when it starts to bother you more. When you're a kid, like, yeah. you know, you're just kind of like, whatever. But when you're older, it's like, I'm an adult now, so have adult conversations with me. Well, and I feel like also, as adults, you start to, like, realize how it shapes your life. Like, all of the ways that you do things that are unhealthy that come from sort of absorbing that message learned behaviors yeah yeah but besides that part oh man <laughs> i got misty-eyed so many times during this finale but the ashes spreading scene just makes mm -hmm. me ball my eyes out like every single time and mm -hmm. there are so many memories of mohan in this episode especially from nalini and it just really so showcases how much he meant to them and how seriously torn up they all are over his passing um, it's especially hard to lose such a great and positive man. It always seems the best of us pass too soon. Well, and even, I mean, I think there's there's good in having people who are not, like, optimistic all the time, but he balanced them out, right? Like, both Davy and Nalini can be kind of hypercritical. Mm -hmm. And I think Kamala, like, adds some lightness to their family dynamic, but Mohan was just like, all sunshine all the time. Yeah. And those two women need that. <laughs> yeah. And then just hearing how deep Nalini's trauma is in particular mm -hmm. um, during the ashes scenes, like really breaks my heart. She says a few things to Davy. One being, you're my only child. 
my whole family, which brings me back to what I brought up in the last episode, there being more behind that fight that they had the night yeah, yeah. Mohan died. And then second is sometimes I wish I was the one that died that night. Um, and what I noticed also, too, is that Davy says that in the second episode. That Davey she says, wishes she was like the body on the 101, which is really similar oh, to yeah, what her yeah. mom said. Um, but in I do, that scene with the with Principal Grubb? Yeah, it? and Ben. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, but I do feel like Nalini somehow blames herself for his passing, and she is just feeling like the brunt of all of these emotions in this scene. It's such a sad scene, but it's also like so fucking beautiful. And one small thing I picked up on, especially in the finale and in retrospect to this whole season, I noticed that Nalini used to dress way more traditionally Indian before Mohan passed, even mm-hmm. when Davy was a teenager. And in current day, during most of the season, I feel like she wears closer to more of like American clothing. And I'm curious mm-hmm. if she's doing that in honor of Mohan, because he dressed very American throughout the entire season. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation, and I suspect there's some truth to that. It would be great. Sometime we have to get the costume designer on so we can ask yeah. <laughs> those kinds of questions. <laughs> so, Claire, what are some of your thoughts about Nalini and the ashes being spread, her trauma, all of that? I mean, I loved everything you just said. I mean, the survivor's guilt that she feels and that I think you're right. Um, Davy also feels like that's real, right? To be the person who is alive. And we're recording this right now in the middle of the California wildfires, which are affecting both of the communities that we live in. And I think like I've seen that in a lot of the sort of community groups I'm in where people have been evacuated and lost their homes. People whose homes are still there are both like so anxious that they might still get taken, but also so grateful. But then like anytime someone posts about losing their home, you you see that you see that sort of behavior come out around the survivor's guild. So I think it's I think it's really real. Like you you feel I don't know if it's exactly feeling responsible for it, but feeling like. You know, we look for meaning so much in everything as just like humans. And I think searching for meaning in something in in a, what feels like a very arbitrary death. One of the ways that I think we sort of handle that is to is to take it on as our own and to feel guilty and responsible in some ways like we should have done something differently, um, whether it was to save them or whether it was just to like appreciate them better while they were alive. I am curious though. Like, I feel like they might feel that guilt and blame a little bit more because he did die of like a sudden heart attack. And generally Mm -hmm. that's brought on by like stress. I mean, he could have had a bad heart. They don't really talk about it. So there's definitely that potential, but I'm sure that they both feel like if we hadn't gotten in that huge fight as a family, like right before this, like maybe that wouldn't have happened. So I'm assuming like on some level they might blame themselves. Well, and I think they blame each other too, right? Like I think that's the behavior we've seen throughout the season. It's, I feel like they both like, they feel like those are the only options, blame the other person or blame themselves and blaming yourself feels really painful. So I think they tend to, to flip that switch pretty quickly, right? And a lot of their dynamic is informed by the fact that, like, they don't want to feel bad themselves. They don't want to feel guilty. So, well, who else is there to blame? The other person in the family, the other person in that dynamic. Um, 
but as soon as the anger dissipates, you're exactly right. They go back to that same guilt. But I, I do love what you said, that quote that you pulled out about, like, you're my whole family, because that's the truth, right? They are all that they have left, and they're pushing each other away because they are afraid of that fact. They're afraid of how important the other person now is to them. They're afraid of how much they need them. And so it's easier to just sort of pretend that they don't. Yeah. So I wanted to briefly touch on Kamala. She's not in the episode a whole lot, but I just wanted to speak to her arc in general and where she's at in her relationship with Davy and Alini. I feel like Davy has really opened up to her a lot more as the season went on and saw her as being a real and genuine person with feelings. I feel like Davy has a, a problem with that, like generalizing people. She does it to Paxton most obviously, but she sees her cousin as an obnoxious, perfect outsider who is beautiful. Mm -hmm. She doesn't see how intelligent her cousin is and where she came from and how hard it was for her to probably come to the States and study at Caltech. And come on. Kamala, like, never wavers. It really feels like she loves Davy unconditionally, even though mm -hmm. Davy is kind of crap to her. I'm sure she understands that Davy is also still a teenager, but Kamala is so kind and understanding all the time. She even tries to get Nalini to wait a little bit longer for Davy, and she always has the family's best interest at heart. And mm -hmm. I just love her. She's a true cinnamon roll. <laughs> she is. <laughs> so talk to me about what you think about Kamala and her relationships with her family and, and how far she's come. Yeah, I love her. I mean, I think, again, I think that's probably obvious if you've been listening to us the rest of the season. I think that she's such a great character. And I do think she's come really far. A lot of it in just sort of... I still, I think you're right that she still tends to put the family first and, or she always has the family's best interest at heart, but she's getting better at figuring out what her role in that is and like who she wants to be within the family and not just being sort of meekly accepting of everything everyone else tells her to do. I don't think that Kamala at the beginning of the season would have gone after Davy the way that she does when she finds her at school because yeah. I think she wouldn't have thought it was her place. Um, and so I really like seeing her come to understand how she can assert herself and still be family oriented, right? Like that she doesn't just have to follow. What was it that Prashant said that he was like glad she wasn't just like a goody little two shoes? She was at the beginning yeah. of the season. She has found ways to be good. Rather, she, she's she's moved from like lawful good to maybe neutral good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, she she's definitely has a a wilder side that she has <laughs> kind of brought forth, and Davy notices that too. Like when she catches her in the bed with Steve. She's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know you were capable of this. So let's talk about uh, Davy's friendship with uh, Fabiola and Eleanor in regards to this episode. Eleanor seems immediately concerned that Ben has come to talk to them about Davy, and I feel like she realizes the severity of the situation if Ben is willing yeah. to round them up and talk to them about it. Um, although I I'm love sure that moment so much. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm sure dramatically in her head, she probably thought something crazy like 
has been going to ask us if he has permission to marry Davy. <laughs> I think that's dramatic. a dramatic thing in your head. <laughs> no, I, I feel like she would think something crazy like that. <laughs> I am really curious about the foundation, though, of their collective friendship. Like, were they all three BFFs since day one, or was someone friends with the other first? Mm. I would love to see flashbacks of, yes. of how the trio came to be. Part part of me thinks Fab and Elle were friends first and let Davy into their circle because they seem exponentially closer. Example being, like, Fab and Elle seem to be able to have, like, those best friend conversations just with their eyes. But that could definitely be because of everything Davy's going through right now that she just isn't as close to them at the moment. But after that scene, Ben brings the girls back to his house and they finally talk to Davy. And Davy is immediately, as usual, defensive. Deflection is her defense mechanism and she's really good at it. But it was so nice to hear Davy actually apologize. And like mean it. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. Davy has learned the power of apologizing. <laughs> but honestly, it's just so nice to see. And friends can be so good at helping you sort out your shit. And they make her realize that it's because she's afraid to go because she doesn't want to let go of Mahan. Not that she doesn't want to, like, confront the whole India move. And it's a very sweet moment. Also, can Gears Brosnan be a permanent staple? I love I him. Lo I love that they got him a boba. <laughs> it was Frappuccino. Frappuccino, I'm sorry. <laughs> Been doing a crazy X rewatch, Boba on the brain. <laughs> so what did you think of their friendship and like where they're at at the end of this episode the thing that i love most about this is that they stop pussyfooting around how davy is feeling right like they've had this very passive aggressive pattern going on the entire season where they'll either just like tiptoe around whatever they think she's feeling and like say nothing and pretend like everything is fine or blow up at her um, when that stops working. And this was the first time where I felt like they actually just confronted head on, like, hey, this is actually what you're doing. And like, I can't remember what exactly it was that like Fabiola said to Davy. I, I think she said like, she told her that she would regret not going to spread her father's ashes. And like, that's that again, like that is not something that they would have done earlier in the season. But I think that's probably where their friendship was before Davy's dad died and she ended up in a chair and everyone started seeing her as frail and or fragile. And I think like that's a really important point too, that that Davy has this entire time not wanted people to see her as fragile. And her friends have, you know, claimed that they understand that, but they still sort of have throughout the season. They've sort of seen her as somebody that they need to tiptoe around. So when they stop tiptoeing around and actually have a real conversation, like that is what puts their friendship back on real footing. And I, I just appreciate that so much. I also, I don't know why you didn't mention this because I know how much you <laughs> feel about it, but just like, I love that it's Ben, right? Like, I love that it's Ben who is like, no, y'all need to have like a real conversation. And he's the adult in the room, not just there, but like also when Davy tells his dad she wants to be emancipated, right? Like... He he sees what's really going on with her in a way that, like, even if other people did see it, they were sort of avoiding it. And he is the one who's like, nope, we're dealing with this. I'll definitely get into that more when we talk about Ben. <laughs> okay. 
But yeah, like he definitely is such a driving force for Davy throughout the entire season, but especially in this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, yeah. He just like I think he's the only person who doesn't treat her like a glass flower. Right. Like Well, and like that's a big reason that I feel like Ben and her work, it's mm-hmm. and like I a lot of other shippers of them have have noticed this and pointed it out that it's just like he's the only person that doesn't like treat her any differently yeah now that her dad has died well and he sees her right like he sees what's really going on with her he and he has some sense of how to handle it Mm -hmm. he's the adult in the room (laughs) (laughs) sometimes all right well i'm sure we'll talk more about ben later but yes did you have anything else to say about their friendship before we move on? I mean, look, I could say a million things. I could talk about their friendship for an hour, but um, I will just, like, I do think it's a sweet moment, and it was an important one to put them all back on equal footing. I guess the one other thing I would say is you were saying that you had the feeling that Fabiola and Eleanor knew each other first, and the and because they seemed closer, but you said something like it could be because of what's going on with Davy. I think that inequality, I think it's possible that they were friends first. I, I like, I don't doubt that as a possibility, but I do think like that unequal footing that they've been on all season has been because they're not acknowledging the elephant in the room. So I will be interested to see how that dynamic changes next season. It's definitely a piece of that, but I, I don't think I've ever known a set of like three friends that didn't have <laughs> something unequal going on there. It's true. It's a, it's like a love triangle but for friends platonic love triangle (laughs) (laughs) yeah i did notice in the episode that it's kind of like fabiola is the one that isn't necessarily super ready to forgive davy but eleanor kind of like tells her to like listen to to what ben has to say and and I, i think like you know eleanor is really her obviously but I think, like, Fabiola was the one that just got more hurt by the whole situation. I think Eleanor is maybe a more forgiving person in general. You sort of, I mean, you kind of see that with her mom, right? Like, her mom has dicked her over time and time again and has really, really not been there for her when she needs it. And she she always forgives her. I think for Fabiola, she's maybe one of those people who, like, she'll accept a certain amount but then, like, once you cross a line, it's much harder to regain her trust. Yeah. I'm kind of a little bit of both. I, mm-hmm. like, am incredibly, like, caring and will be there for someone, sometimes even if they don't deserve it. But then, like, once they do hit a certain point, I'm just like, Shh, roadblock. <laughs> the INFJ door slam. <laughs> so... Let's talk about Paxton in this episode. Mm-hmm. And of course, Daxton. After Davy asks Ben if she can move in, she sees Paxton and he makes eye contact with Davy and then shakes his head and walks away. And like, I just noticed in this episode that Trent has like this sad boy look on his face. Like, he wants to tell Paxton to work it out with her, but he reluctantly follows Paxton mm-hmm. down the hall. I do think Trent might ship them a little bit. Um, Uh (laughs) because when they're in the hallway later too and she confronts Paxton and he brushes her off 
Trent feels really bad. Like you can see the look on his face. Like he doesn't like what he's seeing. And I really want there to be a conversation between Trent and Paxton next scene where he's like, I tried to call her and she hasn't called me back. And Trent just being like, I told you you messed up. Like just <laughs> kind of more of like a conversation between them. I just want to see them more of that friendship group in general, like uh-huh. Paxton's crew. Well, so like kind of like you want them to have a conversation that's like the one between Rebecca and Paxton. Kind of, um, which was what I was saying next is that Rebecca calling Paxton out is one of my favorite scenes. Yes. Um, (laughs) I know some bevy shippers say that they think that if Rebecca hadn't called him out that he never would have called Davy. And like, I don't necessarily think that's true. Like I said, I feel like Trent was on his way there. It might not have happened as soon, but I still feel like it would have happened organically without friends stepping in. I think Paxton would have gotten there, but it probably would have taken a bit longer down the line. Okay, but, like, hear me out. If it hadn't happened at that moment, right, um, if if Davy doesn't pick up her phone and see that he calls right after she's, like, made out with Ben and, like, they came to school as a couple, do you think Paxton would have called her? I don't see them coming back as a couple regardless. Hmm. So, like... I already just know that she's going to bitch out on her feelings immediately afterwards because it's just too much too soon. And I think like a big reason she kissed him, like not that she doesn't have feelings for him, but I'm sure at some, in some part of her had to have been because of all of the emotions of what was going on. And then as soon as she sees the call from Paxton, she's not going to, there's no way she's not going to want to explore that because it's Davy and she's inherently selfish. (laughs) I don't think that they'll end up being a couple right away. So I do think Paxton will be able to pine over Davy in season two. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that's true. I'm just like wondering if, if Rebecca hadn't had that conversation with him, right? Like then it would have happened later. And so she would like, she wouldn't have that missed call on her phone she would just be like i met out with ben and and never know that paxton was thinking about her just think of him as getting like further and further away from her potentially he could have like at least forgiven her and then they could have just tiptoed around everything the way that they did the entire season but i do know that like darren says that he really wants to see paxton like pine over davy just because he's not really the kind of character Yeah, he needs to do that for growth. (laughs) Yeah. But it's so funny how much it seems like Paxton, like, has to, like, convince himself that he's not that into Davey. Like, when he's talking to Rebecca, he's kind of just like, well, like, you know, she's not that cool. And, you know, like, I'm really cool. And it's, like, the way that he says it, like, the cadence of his voice and, like, the context of what he's saying, it just feels like he's trying to convince himself that he's not really actually into her but he is uh-huh and when he's calling her i really love the juxtaposition of it showing ben and davy kissing and then panning down and showing that paxton is calling her and it's like it's like in that moment paxton is leaving a message it's just like he cosmically knows it's he's too late mm-hmm. like too little mm-hmm. too late you can see like the pinings start to form within him you just want to see him in emo makeup next season <laughs> I don't know if he could pull that off. 
Oh, he could, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm really interested to just see him confront his feelings next season yeah, in yeah. general. I want to see him pining. and But I don't want this, like, Edward versus Jacob face-off for Davy's affections. Like, I really hope yeah. that they become friends instead. Like, a bromance would be nice. Team Bexton. Uh-huh. So... Final thoughts of the season regarding Paxton, Daxton, Trent, Bexton. <laughs> All of the things. All of the things with Paxton. <laughs> um, well, I think that, I think one thing I'd say, I kind of hope that, that um, Davy, you were saying bitches out, but I hope that she has some like self-awareness around it. I hope that the way that this shakes out, she makes out with him and then she like, we come in season two and she's like, wait, <laughs> and has that recognition. Like, Hey, uh, you know, I think I really like you, but I'm also going through a lot right now and I'm not sure I should be in a relationship. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I hope that that's the way it goes. And I then she doesn't think... just like immediately jump back into Paxton. I don't think she's capable of it, but I still I, hope I, I don't think she's capable of it either, but I do think, like that would be a root reasoning of why she cannot be with Ben or Paxton right away. She just yeah. needs to deal with her shit. Um, but I do think just like just everything that happened in the short span of that episode, I think it's just going to be too much for her. And she's just yeah, going to be yeah. like, I like, I didn't, I don't know why I did that. Like, I feel like she's going to make excuses. I went, you asked about Trent as well, so I want to raise the Trent thing. What I kind of want to see, like, I want to see Trent step in it oblivious, ob obliviously next season. Like, for him to notice that they're all being awkward and just be like, y'all seem like awkward and weird. And just like have some weird conversation where he like calls them out and is right, but he doesn't know that he's right. <laughs> That would be funny. Mm hmm And then, of course, he asks Eleanor out. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Ben. Of course. This is a really big episode for him. Um, ben Gross is such an awkward boy. Um, <laughs> like, he says, that was just the alcohol doing its thing when he confronts Davy about the party. And just, I like, love how he's like... <laughs> Like, that's the type of awkward he is. He can't just, like, pretend it didn't happen, which would probably be better. He has to, like, bring it up as though, oh, I don't remember things, but was this awkward? I'm sorry if it was awkward. I'm sorry if I made things awkward. You must be, like, imagining that an awkward thing happened and it didn't. Yeah. You know, he's and like weirdly just... gaslighting her about it. <laughs> it like cuts back to his idiotic choices at the party, which obviously mm -hmm. it's hilarious. Um, oh, but it's that. so obvious that he's lying about being drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he remembers everything he did. Uh -huh. um, and also the like in this scene where they're talking, if you watch carefully, I've pointed this out before, but Shira's picture is gone from his locker and it's replaced with a picture of him eating pizza and a bunch of weird motivational posters. <laughs> so I do really think that Ben and Shira broke off broke up off screen. It just it just wouldn't make sense for them to still be together 
especially like Davy living with him and just like yeah. that never being brought up. It just wouldn't make yeah. sense for them to still be a thing. Yeah. Maybe at his party, like you said. Yeah. Or like the next day. But then when Davy starts to live with Ben, there's like this entire like tone shift in the way that like Ben corrects and argues with Davy now. It's much different than earlier in the season. It's like softer. Um, mm -hmm. They come off as like a domesticated couple. <laughs> <laughs> Almost just kind of like. like sheep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, though, like Ben, I notice he's so fucking weird with his dad. And like, I feel mm -hmm. like there's another pop culture character that kind of just like says weird, overtly flirty things about their dad, but I'm blanking on it. Like, oh, I just, like, You're totally it. right. Uh, we'll think of it at some point. <laughs> or someone will tell us. Yeah, if, if someone knows where that is from, let us know. Slide he, into our DMs. <laughs> either way, he has daddy issues for sure. But also in this episode, I, I feel like his parents do actually seem like they're incredibly kind to some extent. Like, letting Davy stay and no questions asked. Like... And she, her dad, his dad is, like, incredibly nice to her in general, like, when he's talking to her about the potential, like, emancipation thing. Um, mm -hmm. It just doesn't strike me as, like, the way that people perceive his parents. Like, it's kind of different than what you would expect. Um, also, I have to point out that Ben and Davey are literally matching in the scene <laughs> where she's talking to his dad they're both wearing like this faded tie-dye top their outfits in that scene and like in this uh episode in general just the 90s are back that's what they reminded <laughs> me of. Yeah, the 90s are definitely coming back 20 years With fashion that. cycles i'm telling you <laughs> i think everyone says that <laughs> um but you kind of pointed this out earlier. Ben is so sweet. He honestly cares so much about Davey. It's honestly kind of crazy how drastically their relationship and their dynamic has changed since we first met them. Like, the timeline mm -hmm. of this show is something about, like, two, maybe three months. And it's just vastly different from the beginning of the season. And I really want to see Davey's friends become friends with Ben next season, even if they don't work out. Like, I just think they have, like, a really good group chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But then, like, there's this big grand gesture that basically just kind of falls into Ben's lap. Like, he offers to take her to her mom and then Malibu. It's, like, divine intervention or whatever. Like, it's kind of crazy that he just kind of has this opportunity to do this. Um <laughs> But also, is it just me or is Ben's awful erratic driving a parallel with Cher's awful driving in Clueless? Oh my god, yes! <laughs> yes! Long <highway> <laughs> it, I, as you were talking about how, like, he, this drops into his lap, I was, like, thinking, yeah, it drops into his lap, but his execution is so terrible on it. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> but he still successfully did. He did get her there, and in time, entirely because John McEnroe was there. I mean, honestly, she could have probably run down there before they spread the ashes, but the dramatic moment was still great. Yeah. Because she literally gets down there, like, five seconds after he 
yells it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, I mean, she didn't know it, but her mom had already decided to wait for her. Yes. Um, I did really like uh, Kamala shouting, Is that John McEnroe? <laughs> was it Kamala that said that? I thought it was. Am I wrong? It, I, I, I thought it was Nalini. I'm not sure now. <laughs> One of them. I just liked that One it happened. <laughs> I, I have a feeling Kamala would not know who John McEnroe is, but either way, it was funny. <laughs> um, but then, of course, after the Ashes scene, which we already talked about, um, there's the moment between Ben and Davy when she comes back, and of course, she's just like, you stayed, and he's like, "Yeah, I just, uh, I just wanted to make sure you're okay." And like, <laughs> you say it smooth. He was not smooth about it. <laughs> he was actually really smooth when he said it. He was just like very like barely awake when he said it. <laughs> but this is a big reason that I'm such a bevy stan because Ben puts Davy above himself. Her being okay comes first to him. And then she kisses him, like mm-hmm. Paxton kissed her before. This is the first time Davy has initiated a kiss, and she's literally choosing Ben. Like, yes, she's very emotional. Like I had mentioned, it's probably a little bit of that, that that's why they kissed. But I, I just think it would suck if she suddenly chooses Paxton afterwards, just ingraining to Ben that he's never going to be someone's first choice. Oh, don't do that to Ben. No, no. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, like, it wouldn't be fair. I 100% do not want to see a storyline where Ben becomes a nice guy. Heavy quotes. Yeah. <laughs> do not want not to see that. That would be awful. There's also, like, a hesitation when they break up the kiss, and Ben is basically just kind of like, are you sure, without saying it? And then they kiss again with big, dumb smiles on their faces because they're dweebs. <laughs> and it's a really long and quite passionate kiss too in comparison to the Daxton kiss two episodes prior also the fact that this is the last thing that we see and it's but it's not Paxton calling her it just goes back to Ben and Davey like it could have ended where it just showed Paxton's call and then cut yeah, scene yeah. but they pan back up to see them, seeing them kiss and I just feel like that's really telling that they're that they're end game. That's that's your end game evidence. That that was the whole, there was a lot of evidence in this final episode of the season and our final episode for now. But I know what you think that I look too far into these kinds of things, but that's kind of what film and TV study is. There's so much symbolism in tiny things that so many people don't pick up on. Besides overthinking every detail is exactly how I was so astronomically correct about my last big magician's theory from our last podcast. So I don't care if I look too far into things. But what are your final thoughts on Ben and Bevy, of course? I completely agree with you. I mean, I think I, I, I don't know about Endgame because I like I mean, I think you're you have good evidence Mostly in terms of, like, looking at Mindy's history, that they're likely to be Endgame. I I don't especially care about Endgame at this particular point in time, but I do think what you said about um, their dynamic and why that kiss happens, it, it feels so much healthier. I don't 
know that I would say that like Ben is always putting Davy first, but I think he is genuinely caring about her. Whereas like Paxton is so status conscious that like he has trouble putting that aside. Um, I don't know that I'd want somebody who's like always putting me first. Um, I just, I I feel like they need to be on an equal playing field, but I think that Ben and Davey are right. Like they have been competitive their whole lives in particular ways um, because they have so much in common and so many, so many shared interests, so many shared values. Um, And as like, teenagers that has manifested for them as competition but like there's so many other ways it could manifest and just like comparing those two kisses so the one thing Davy doesn't want is to be pitied and in the moment when Paxton kisses her it it is kind of a pity moment like I don't think it's a pity kiss Mm -hmm. but like she just tells him like that this horrible thing happened and or that she's not feeling great about her like fight with her friends and he kisses her at that moment whereas when Davy kisses Ben it's because he did something kind Mm -hmm. and I just feel like that's a better foundation for a relationship um yeah and even if you think back to when Ben tried to kiss her before it was because she did something kind for him yeah she brought him a gift when no one else did yeah, exactly, right? Like, I think it's because they see each other uniquely and are kind, right? Like, they each see each other, and their response to seeing who the other person really is is positive and nice. Yeah. They're validating to each other. Yeah, like, I think that the paxton Davy relationship is inevitable at some point. Like, I think she'll have to explore those feelings, mm. or else she'll just always be thinking, what if, and... She's just that kind of person who would not stand for those kinds of doubts. Um, But I think, like, she really needs to work on herself. I would like to see—I don't even want to see her and Ben, like, be together necessarily right away. Like, it would be something that—because, I I mean, I prefer slow burn relationships. I Mm -hmm. think they're so much better written. So I would love it to kind of be maybe, like— maybe like a couple episodes before the finale of the entire show that they finally get back together and have an actual relationship. Because I mean, there's so many factors that go into her and Paxton, like not being able to work out long-term. Like I feel like they'd run out of things to, to talk about and, and like have in common. Um, as far as we know, they literally have nothing in common. They go to the same school. <laughs> <laughs> and they both swim, I guess. <laughs> Wait, um, I mean, I don't know that I would say Davy swims. She falls in pools. No, that's why she stopped losing her leg. She was the use of her leg. She was in a pool, like. But she, she was, but she's not like on swim team. I don't know. They didn't say like they didn't say okay. it was PE either. Um, but either way, I think she does have an interest in it. Hmm. But other than that, like I don't think they have enough, like, compatible ground. And there's also the big glaring fact that he's going to graduate an entire year before her. So even if they were together, like, most relationships do not survive that. Nope. (laughs) Um, I feel like if they do get together, they would probably try to make it work, but it it just wouldn't 
so yeah, I would like I when I say like I want Ben and her to be endgame, it's like actual endgame. Like after she's figured out her shit, after because like, I don't I don't want her to hurt him. If she chooses him now, she's just going to hurt him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like I mean I've said this before, but I do I kind of like the idea of her dating like dating both of them at different times. I do think that her relationship with Ben would be a better one, but I also, I do like the idea of Team Davy of her, like, ultimately choosing herself. And I think what I would like to see is, I kind of want them to be friends as Endgame, all of them, and for her to have explored those and handled it in mature ways when they ended. Well, I would definitely want her to be friends. Um, I've always envisioned her and Paxton maybe being, like, really, really good friends if they don't work mm-hmm. out. Like, I think that they could be best friends to each other if given the chance. I, I can definitely see, like, a BFF triangle with her and Trent and Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. But, yeah, like, I'm, like, I don't think the Team Davy thing is, is long-term. Like, I could never see them ending the show entirely with her choosing herself. It's a romantic comedy. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you thought the same thing about Jane the Virgin, so... Well, they should have done that. I didn't think up. they were... I didn't think they... I don't know. I mean, I sort of did think they were going to, but it was mostly wishful thinking. Like, I just wish shows did that more. I wish they didn't pin everything on, like, a romantic ending. And, frankly, wouldn't you have liked Jane the Virgin better if they'd ended it that way than the way that they ended it? I mean, I would have, yes. <laughs> but I knew that it wasn't going to happen. I'm just saying that there's a lot of time before we get to the end of this, and the industry is changing and becoming more accepting of different types of stories, and you never know. Maybe. <laughs> but I don't think so. Devidence! <laughs> You have your evidence. I have my devidence. <laughs> okay. Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. SlayerFest 98 is a Latinx-run, queer-centered pop culture podcast. We discuss every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in order, but we also talk X-Men, the MCU, and everything else nerdy and or gay. And sometimes I'm joined by... Hi, I'm James Marsters. Trixie Mattel. Anthony Oliveira, hello. Ming-Na Wen. Emily Niskam. Summer Bischel. Charisma Carpenter! Kirsten White. Hi, Amber Benson. Latoya Ferguson. It's Claire Kramer. Adam Sass. Jane Espenson, hi. Hi, this is Stacey Abrams. We can be found on Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are found. You can support us on Patreon to get access to our private Facebook group, patron-exclusive episodes, and more. We can be found on all social platforms at SlayerFestX98. Make sure to say hi. Any and all support is much appreciated. Fashion Um, time. Let's get to fashion. (laughs) I have Uh, on my napkin many notes written. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's see. The first one that I have written down is Davy is quite possibly wearing the most heinous cardigan that I've ever seen in my life at the beginning oh, of the episode. Oh, that chunky thing? Cool. Yeah, it's so ugly. I mean, it's, it's so many colors and none of them are good. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. And then after, when she's talking to Ben, I think he looks really good with his uh, denim jacket, his floral button-up, and his khakis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He can pull off a pair of khakis. I'll give him that. He can. I really love Davy's checkerboard floral hoodie that she's wearing when she's eating breakfast with Ben. Like, that's my 
probably my favorite thing of hers, and I want it. I liked it, but I wished it was, like, a little more fitted instead of the, like, quilty pattern that it was. Quilty? Yeah, it was, so it was, um, the, like, material was kind of quilted in that it had those, like, you know, those little, like, diamond puffy bits on it. Go back and look. Mm. I didn't Um, notice that. I thought it was just, like, a sweater. It was from Vans. Maybe we're thinking about a different thing. But I thought when she's eating breakfast with Ben, she was wearing a jacket. I don't know. We'll take she's a look. She's wearing a hoodie. It's floral. Okay. Uh, no, I remember the floral thing, but I just sort of remembered it being... Okay. I remember it different. I trust you. You've seen this way more times than I it's have. It's like a like little crop top hoodie. Super cute. <laughs> um, but that's my favorite of hers. Uh-huh. I also love Ben's red, like light it's like a light material hoodie that he's wearing when he's eating breakfast with her as well it just has like the little black tie-dye marks kind of like strewn across it i did not like that one i honestly felt like ben in this episode was back to his uh bullshit fashion shenanigans i liked his fashion in this except for later on like i love his final outfit but the blazer ruins it so when Uh. he takes that off he looks fine (laughs) <laughs> I like but I love that shirt on him like the like the dark navy with like the polka dots uh-huh. um, that he's wearing when he kisses Davy um, that is a really good outfit it looks very good on him but the blazer does kill it um, I have written that I love Nalini's outfit uh, when she mm-hmm. goes to see Davy at Ben's house it's like a maroonish burgundy shirt tucked into tannish khaki flowy pants I love Davy's light purple tie-dye sweater. <laughs> I think she looks really good in, like, muted colors. She does. Because sometimes when she's wearing the ones that are, like, just too bright, they they don't look as great on her. Orange is not her color. I love... <laughs> I just love Eleanor's, like, look. Like, it's supposed to be ridiculous, but she looks like a lesbian park ranger. <laughs> she does. With her beige outfits. I call it Isn't the that, beige like, period. doesn't... Doesn't Davy say that? Like, something about, like, dressing like a park ranger for the rest of your life? I think she does say park ranger, yes. I call it her beige period. <laughs> like, the blue period. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the outfit that Paxton is wearing when his sister's calling him out might yes. be one of my favorites of his. It's like that olive suede jacket with the stripes on top. It looked so good. I want that jacket. It would look terrible on me, but I want it anyway. I think it's because Darren has these, like, really beautiful um, hazel eyes. And so, mm-hmm. like, it super yeah, yeah. brings out his eyes. Um, yeah. But he does need a new pair of Converse. Those things are pretty dirty. In that scene, I really liked what... I mean, I always like re- what Rebecca is wearing, um they do a good job of like having her dress like a fashion designer but that star uh shirt she was wearing reminded me of the sweater that davy had on in like one of the first episodes do you remember oh yeah the star sweater yeah yeah i think it's in the second or third episode yeah i i for some reason that just like really stuck out to me and i really like it because i think they're i think that they are on a similar wavelength i feel like Rebecca could really help Davy out with her fashion mm-hmm. choices. Yes. And then my my last comment that I have is about Fabiola's denim denim jumpsuit. <laughs> it looks so uncomfortable. Like I don't know how people wear that much denim. I honestly, I mean, jumpsuits in general, like 
just the idea of having to take off my entire outfit to pee is not something that I'm into. Um, Every single time I wear a romper, I'm like, why did I, why did I choose? (laughs) I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) Also, though, almost every single time that I have worn a romper, it seems to be when I'm out drinking. So I regret it even more. Oh, yeah. Well, I I saw that denim jumpsuit and I'm like, is she trying to dress like Rosie the Riveter? But she just like forgot her bandana. (laughs) I thought she looked like a mechanic. Yeah, well, that's Rosie the Riveter. She's like the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, like, the female mechanic from the from World War Two, the like canon one. Yep. Um, all right. So I have some other ones. Um, so I just noticed because I think um, Lee mentioned it when we had them on the like rainbow beaded necklace that Fab mm-hmm. wears as her sort of like gently <laughs> acknowledging that she's gay um, yeah. in her wardrobe. I I already mentioned Rebecca's shirt, which I really liked. But then the sort of last thing that I wanted to call out was um, Kamala's yellow, the, the yellow, like, um, I forget what they're called, but like the sort of dress-like thing that she wears when they go to spread the ashes. Is it a sari? No, no. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it's fine. Someone will tell us or we can look it up um, afterward. But yellow is just so her color. Like, I love yeah. anytime we have uh, Kamala in yellow. She just looks amazing. Um, the first thing we ever see her in is, like, that bright yellow shirt. Yeah, yeah. And then I think in one of the flashback. Oh, no, not it wasn't the flashback. Remember when um, Davy gets that notification of, like... A, a remind like a memory of Mohan's birthday yeah um and she's wearing like a yellow sweater on top I really liked her outfit in that scene as well and it just sort of made me think like oh she looks she looks so much more comfortable in her own skin and I feel like her fashion in that scene re- reflected it as well interesting so let's do some one-liners okay let me go first because I only have two <laughs> you better not steal my first one it it's not your first one. <laughs> um, so just the Rebecca one. Oh no, you're a douche. Um, she was such a, st- a scene stealer in that scene. I mean, I know it's just the two of them, so it's not technically like scene stealing. And uh, yeah. Darren is great, but she just like was so many. She was like a level above. She was so great. Like all of her delivery was perfect in that entire yeah, scene. She had like the perfect amount of like pause between yes. like what she was saying. That's just like, oh, oh no. Yes. My and then it's like douche. he looks. Well, I love that she's like, oh no. And he kind of looks at her like, what? And she goes, you're a douche. <laughs> like answering <laughs> the question of his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was perfect. It was really And then she great. calls him an idiot yeah of course she's like well I mean, you would be an idiot <laughs> yeah and so the other one i i sort of wrote it down after the fact but it was just like when it's in that scene that we played like when at the end of the conversation between nalini and dr ryan when she's like picks up the ceramic thing and she goes these are comforting and dr ryan says for white people too <laughs> yeah that part was funny I just thought that was great. All right, now you can go. I just wanted to make sure, since I only had two, you didn't take them. <laughs> I don't think I have either of those. Um, but my first one is my fucking favorite line from the entire series. <laughs> uh, it's India is not that different from Coachella. It's crowded, dusty. Diplo sort of around. That it's just like such a good line. The pure genius of that line and the way he delivers it. Diplo sort of around, especially just sort of around. And like. I, that like that line cracked me up probably the most out of any anything that was in the show. Um, 
but I guess a lot of people don't get it. Um, so Diplo is a recording artist who obviously <laughs> played and attended Coachella, but he's also like really obsessed with India and Indian culture. Like he's always there whenever he can. So that's the joke. It's really not that deep, but it's still really just funny. I hate Coachella. Um, Never my, I haven't been either, but I don't like being in the heat, man. <laughs> yeah. it's just, it just seems like a big just event for rich and famous people, and that's about it. What do you call that kind of concert? <laughs> this is how out of touch I am. It's a festival. Call- yeah, festivals. Festivals are not really my thing. The only festival I like is Warp Tour. It was awesome. But I was also like a, a little <laughs> emo kid, so, you know. The second one that I have is, it's not as much fun watching 90 Day Fiance without your color commentary about all the, quote, delusional uggos. Kamala said that, and it was great. I love how much trashy TV they watch together. Like I love that's it too. what a great, what a great facet of their relationship. What a great trashy way to TV. introduce America to someone uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> through reality TV <laughs> and Riverdale, <laughs> which is basically reality TV but but fictional. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the next one I have is, I'm Eric. I'm a very popular and handsome jock. Would you like to be my girlfriend? <laughs> I'm just like oh my god I just love his character he's so just like pure joy maybe Eric's Todd maybe (laughs) next one I have is now if you'll excuse me I'm going to go google on how to buy a credit card baby so great that she thinks you can buy a credit card I mean technically you can you can buy like a prepaid visa but I don't think that's what she was talking about. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, the next one I have is, don't be cheap, Ben. If you need to talk to us that urgently, you can also afford to hydrate our lovers. Every time Eleanor says lovers, I'm just like, I die. I'm, it's so great. Because, like, rarely anyone says lovers. <laughs> Nobody says lovers. Like, that's just, like, it's such a great character element to have that word be part of her vocabulary and the thing that she uses to talk about. I mean, and Eleanor has not had sex. Let's be real. <laughs> She's not anyone's lover. It's just, like, her, it's her dramatic, like, gone with the wind <laughs> mentality about how every relationship is. <laughs> Yeah. The next one I have is, oh, mama, that sure hit the spot. That was Gears Brosnan. I I don't know why, but I think that whole inclusion of the robot is just so good. And I want to know who who voices it. Like, I don't think I've seen a credit for it. I'll have to look, but cracks me up. And the last one I have is, this is my dad's car and I only have a permit. I'm not going to throw my life away for you. Good job, Ben. You tell her. He has boundaries. <laughs> Some. <laughs> His boundaries are 45 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't get anywhere in L.A. that way. <laughs> so, MVP. You know what? I'm going to make you go first this time. All right. I mean, this is so hard because everyone is so fantastic in this episode. 
I do, I think I want to give it to, realistically, I want to give it to my Trey because I think she is amazing. And honestly, I think I have like maybe not given it to her all season just because I've been trying to like pump everybody else up. But there's no way that I can get out of the season without giving her MVP because she's great. Maybe I gave it to her in the first episode, but either way, like she's fantastic. This is about her. It's about, um, Porna too. Um, and then my like little side just want to call out one more time that Lily Moore, who plays Rebecca, is just fucking amazing in the one scene that she has. She is. Well, for me, this is way too hard. Like, I, I know I keep bitching out here, but I think I'm gonna split it. And I've given it to my tree plenty of times, but. I think that Maitri, Porna, and Jaren all deserve the gold medal here. Mm -hmm. They have consistently killed it this season. And just Jaren for all of his subtle humor and Maitri for just killing it as day, like all season long and making me love this show so much. And then Porna is just such a powerhouse. She's so good. She's amazing. Yeah, she's so good at all of it the humor, the drama, the trauma. And she has such a nuanced performance. And they all do, really, but those three stand out to me the most in this episode and the season as a whole. Yeah, I think they're good choices. Honestly, I don't think you could go wrong, but I do think you're... I I think we're both right that Maitreyi and Porna have to get recognized in this episode. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we're smart. Yes. (laughs) So... The last thing... The final topic that I have is just, like, let's talk about kind of, like, what we want to see... Or think that we'll see in season two. I mean, we've kind of gone there a little bit uh-huh. like, within the episode. Um, like the first thing that I have is I want Davy to at least choose herself at the beginning. She has a long way to go before she can be in a relationship. Continue going to therapy. Maybe her mom can go to therapy, too. That's the first thing that I have. Maybe they can go um, to therapy together. Maybe. But I think that it would probably help them seeing different therapists as well. I think also um, Nalini would do really good in like a grief group setting. I feel like that would be. And I mean, I'd, I, what I would love to see is to see her in a group like that. But maybe specifically like a group for um, for Indians in the United States or Indian Americans who are going through that because I feel like I feel like there's a really great opportunity to talk about how important it can be to have a therapy experience that um, reflects your identity or it like understands particular cultural and identity issues. Um, I think that would be a good experience for Nalini to have. For sure. The next thing that I have is to see more of the adults in the series in general, like the parents, Kamala, Shapiro. Like, I think. Oh, my God. I hope we get more. I hope we get a parent teacher conference. That would be hilarious. That would be so funny, wouldn't it? That could be what um, starts that one point that I have that I think that there should be the Nalini and Mr. Shapiro dating side plot that I told you that. <laughs> I I hear you on that. I still feel like it would be so weird. She would just like eat him for breakfast. So like, I mean, like I had a dream about it. So that like, that's where it came from. And I was just like, 
kind of surprised I hadn't think, thought of it before, but... Like, it would just be hilarious because it would be so embarrassing for Davey. It would be like, do you know in, um, in, so in Gilmore Girls, right, Lorelai dates Max. Oh, yeah, I remember that. But it wouldn't be like that. It would be like if Lane's mom dated Max. (laughs) It's, for one, you know he'd embarrass the shit out of her because he would 100% talk to Davey at school about it. Like, inappropriate. We've talked about that before. It would be so fun. Yeah, I mean, I had, like, in my mind that, like, he would say something like, your mom is a sensual woman, Davy. you should be proud. <laughs> and Nalina just, like, kind of, like, needs a boy toy. I think it would be funny. Um, and then, like, I just feel like he would try not to put a label on it, you know, and then he'd be like, labels are oppressive, and Ben would be like, Davy's mom just doesn't want to call you her boyfriend. I feel like we've had this exact conversation before. I feel like you said the oppressive thing before, and I think I said the sensual woman thing before. <laughs> I think so. But, like, I had to put that all there, because, like, it's I just so think great. it would be fucking hilarious. All um, right, what the, else? What else is on the, your wish list? Next thing I have is uh, have, like, Fabiola kind of, like, continuing to, like, handle her previous coming out. Like, I want... Like, I want more to it because like you know it's not just like you're out and you're done like well and we talked about this a little bit when we had lee and ramona on like it would be good to see her and eve navigating a relationship where they aren't like they have had such different experiences around like coming to terms with their sexuality and especially where she's like i like doing it at a point when fabiola is already out right because you see so many stories that just sort of feel like one partner being frustrated with another partner not being out or like pressuring them to come out. And I'm sick of that. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Like, I mean, it, it is relevant sometimes, but I feel like I've seen so many. Yeah. And I've seen so many versions of it where it's just like not questioned that one partner is like kind of pressuring the other one to come out. So I like the idea of having them navigate um, the sort of, unevenness of their experience as queer people but where coming out is not table stakes yeah definitely um after that i have i want to see double or like triple dates i think those would be hilarious um i I feel like it would be really funny to have like trelinor and bevy dates and then have like trent go back and report to paxton (laughs) (laughs) he would he would um i want like an episode or two that devotes to other point of views other than davies obviously Mm -hmm. talked about that with like everybody um even if it's just like little pieces of an episode you know how like they'll have like tv shows will have that like kind of clips episode or like recaps episode like kind of something like that where it's like there's little stories all within just that one half hour yeah um i want to see like a dance of some sort or like halloween like i would love to see halloween Mm. it's such a thing for teenagers teenagers love halloween it's obviously coming up for and them. I feel like, it, right, it's interesting to have Halloween whenever you have a character who's bicultural, right? Like, because Halloween, like, even in Australia, they don't do Halloween. Like, it's just starting to be a thing, and most people think it's kind of weird. So really? it's, yeah, yeah, it's like a really American thing. <laughs> um, 
A lot of people I know celebrate it that are in other countries, but... I just feel like it could be really... I definitely do think it's probably pretty Americanized. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like it could be... Like, that would be a really interesting thing to see from the perspective of, like, a bicultural character and (laughs) how her family deals with it. Her family, I'm assuming, hates it, but she probably loves it. I bet... I bet um, Kamala would be into... Could be into it. Could be made into she, it. She yeah, dresses she a real like character. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I could just see her like dressing up as like I don't know, like probably Veronica, I feel like if out of all of them. <laughs> Although like No, 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 no. I think she would dress up as um as Betty. Maybe dark Betty. Why do you think Kamala would be the dark one? She's, like, all sweetness. I don't feel because like she Because would... it's Halloween. Yeah, but I don't feel like she would do that. I feel like she would just, like, try to find the most innocent character. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> She's got that little dark side to her. I know it. Um, and, of course, I have Trelinor as a point. Trelinor! If we don't get Trelinor next season, I riot. I, like, I think, you know, it's a, it's a good possibility considering their actors both <laughs> ship it. So, uh-huh. I mean, could have started a revolution. Um, <laughs> the next point I have is, is by Ben. I would love to see by Ben. Like, that's a huge hope for me. Um, I just think that there should be more bisexual men in media. And, yes. like, you rarely see that kind of stuff in comedy specifically like you'll see it a lot you know and in other dramas but in comedy it's so rare that i I would just love to see it i want to get to know paxton way more and not just as debbie's object of affection yeah because we know so little about him really yeah like he's truly an enigma Um, he needs a pov episode he absolutely does i mean like i feel like if anyone's gonna get it it will be paxton yeah um Oh, I definitely want the Trent POV episode where Trent is voicing Trent. <laughs> and breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> no, not even, like, breaking the fourth wall. I just want him to be too simple to, like, have a celebrity voice, like, a celebrity voicing him. I want him, I want it to be, like, not a fantasy life thing. I want it to be just, like, I feel like for a lot of them, it's like how they are in their head. And I feel like Trent in his head is exactly as he is on the screen. And so I just, that's what I want. I want to see I think that would be funny, but I feel like if it was going to be any celebrity, it would be Seth Rogen for obvious reasons. But I want it to be just Trent. You're asking me what I want. I'm telling you what I want. I'm telling you what I think would be funny. (laughs) If it wasn't him, then (laughs) Seth Rogen is pretty much the only choice. (laughs) um and i also have more kamala i want to i love her she just should be involved more i want to see more memories of mohan maybe even some that are negative i know we've mentioned that before we need to see him not be perfect yes that's all i have so yeah i mean the big thing not just in therapy but like davy actually dealing with her shit um I want to see her work to repair her relationship with Eleanor and Fab in more than just that one apology moment. Because I feel like um, 
it's too clean and we need to break out of the cycle of her like doing shitty things and then getting and then like apologizing and they come back to her and so i think like having them have some more real conversations about what's going on with davy but also like how it's impacting her friends and what they need from her uh, i don't think we're gonna get that in a comedy but i would really love to see them actually like negotiate that um collectively maybe ben can mediate or trent for being a comedy i mean like i feel like it still gets pretty emotional and has a lot of punch for that it does i just feel like it's like it's hard to have extended conversations like to have extended confrontations in a comedy yeah things that don't get tied up in one episode but i would like I would like for them to have some more real conversations about her dad and not just to be like, I guess I want them to move her emotional arc forward and not just um, move plot forward in other ways. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I sort of was like giving a lot of this as I go, but um, I do want to see more um, of even Fabiola's relationship and that sort of unevenness. Um, I do think it would be good to see um, Davy and her mom do some therapy together. Um, I agree that they probably need separate therapists as well, but I also think they just need to work through their shit, and they are not good at doing it on their own because they're too similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like they need separate grief counseling, but they also need to figure out how to negotiate their dynamic without Mohan. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said. I, I just sort of add to them. Like, yeah, I definitely want to see pictures of Mohan that complicate the, like, perfect, sunny, always sunny disposition. Definitely. Is there anything that I didn't put down that you can think of? I mean, you covered almost everything. So, (laughs) no, I think you got it. I mean, it's mostly just things that I would, that I would, like I said, I just sort of would amp up in one way or another. The only thing you didn't mention, I already mentioned in response to something you said, which is uh, Trent getting a POV episode where he's Trent. (laughs) Well, and with that, I think we've come to the end of our show. We're trying to plan a few specials for the fall and or winter, hopefully with some of our favorite actors we couldn't get on during the season. We'll keep everyone updated on our Instagram page that we will try to remain active on. And just so, sorry, really quickly, one thing I'm going to do as we, um, while we wait for some of those specials is I'm going to put the episodes back in the feed. uh, So you'll see the first episode the week after this and the second episode two weeks later, just so that they're active and you can find them really easily. Well, listeners... Thank you for joining us all season. If you liked this episode, you can subscribe online wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't left a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, it would be amazing if you do, because then people could find our podcast easier. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at NHIE underscore podcast. Bye. Bye. Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast is produced and hosted by Danny Lowry with co-host Clara Shirley Appel. Saxon Ahern is our sound engineer, and Lanier Salmons wrote our theme. Mind slide. You just want to see him in emo makeup next season. (laughs)